Hello everyone. As the years go on, the United States is finding themselves wrapped up in global conflicts. As the Secretary of State and the President's top foreign policy advisor, I want to discuss my solutions to three conflicts that the United States is involved in. First is the tensions in the East China Sea. Since 1895, Japan has had most of the control of the Senaku Daihahu Islands. In the 1970s, China began to reassert claims over the islands. Then tensions rose in 2012 when Japan purchased three of the disputed islands. Each country claims to have economic rights in an exclusive economic zone, but that space overlaps. In 2014, President Barack Obama stated that the disputed islands are covered by the U.S.-Japan Security Treaty, but the United States does not take a formal position on their sovereignty. Then tensions peaked in 2013 after China declared the establishment of an air defense identification zone. Later, Japan and China signed a four-point consensus document laying out their differences concerning the disputed islands. After nine rounds of consultations, the mechanism was launched in June 2018. Recently, the tensions between China and Japan over the Senaku Daihahu Islands have increased as both countries increase their military capabilities in the region. However, China and Japan announced a new crisis communication hotline to avoid accidental clashes at air and sea in June 2018. There are many concerns that relate to this conflict. Even though Chinese and Japanese leaders can't establish this co control over the Senaku Daihahu Islands, unauthorized action by local commanders could result in increased hostilities. Through treaty commitments with Japan, a military confrontation could involve the United States. As a Secretary of State, I would send a treaty out about dividing the sea. This way, each country could have certain areas of the sea that belong to them. This way, the United States also wouldn't be put in as much danger because if we got put in military involvement, it might cause more problems for the United States down the road. The next crisis is the criminal violence in Mexico. This all started in the 1980s when Mexico's crime groups and drug traffickers became organized. As production and distribution increased, the groups began fighting for territorial control and access to markets, which led to an increase in violence across Mexico. The Mexican government officially declared war on criminal organizations in 2006. Then, in 2012, President Enrique Peña Nieto revised the Calderón's government's strategy shifting efforts away from violent exchanges and instead towards improving law enforcement capacity and supporting public safety. Meanwhile, the Señola cartel's Joaquín El Chapo Guzman was arrested many times, and a power vacuum was then created within the Señola cartel, which then resulted in an increase in violence. Recently, violence in Mexico has been at an all-time high, and the military and law enforcement have struggled to stop these crimes. In 2018, the number of drug-related homicides in Mexico rose to 33,341, which is a 15% increase from the previous year and a record high. While on the campaign trail, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador proposed several strategies to combat crime-related violence. After winning the election, he announced the creation of a new National Guard to fight cartels. There are also many concerns relating to this conflict. According to the U.S. Drug Enforcement Agency, Mexican cartels represent the greatest drug-related threat, supplying heroin, marijuana, methamphetamines, and other drugs to the United States. Criminal and drug trafficking organizations threaten to undermine the strength and legitimacy of the Mexican government, which is an important U.S. regional partner as well as uh, it harms civilian populations in both countries. As a Secretary of State, I would have good communication with the Mexican government. 
We need to find a way to stop these cartels from getting into the wrong hands. I think an important way to get these cartels to stop is to find jobs for these people. That way, more people won't have to go to the extent to get involved in these organizations. We will need to have perseverance and dedication to implement this. I also think that the state needs to reach out into the community so that they don't feel that they have to take matters into their own hands. The third and final crisis is the Rohingya crisis in Myanmar. This is a Muslim group. Rohingya is facing discrimination from their neighbors and their nation, and they are not considered citizens by the Myanmar's government. On top of this, Buddhist nationalist groups are calling for boycotts of Muslim shops, the expulsion of Muslims from Myanmar, and attacks on Muslim communities. More than 100,000 Muslim Rohingyas were internally displaced and hundreds killed after two waves of violence and riots in 2012 intensified that conflict. There is little indication that the Rohingya issue will become a priority anytime soon, so they have shifted the focus of establishing a new relationship with the military and addressing multiple ongoing insurgencies instead. The military signed a ceasefire with several armed ethnic groups in October 2015. While the ceasefire agreement was a potential step towards peace in Myanmar, it failed to give a balance of power between the central government and local authorities. Recently, tensions between Buddhist and Muslim countries have escalated since late 2017. There was a series of attacks by a group of Rohingya militants which led to the military which led the military to launch a rough crackdown on Rohingya villages. This is causing thousands of people to flee across the border of Bangladesh. This violence has led to a crisis in in Bangladesh, causing most of the Rohingya to live in refugee camps across the border. It has also caused many deaths and many people in search for a safe home. Additionally, in 2016, Rohingya were not allowed to vote in the election and they were also not allowed to attend a peace conference in 2016. Today, there is still failure to address this issue. This concerns the United States as well because as the U.S.-Myanmar relationship warms, disagreements over human rights will, issues will remain a divisive factor. Myanmar's stability is important to the U.S. interest because of Myanmar's strategic importance in Southeast Asia, vast natural resources, and emerging democratic government. As the Secretary of State, I would make clear that the government of Myanmar will be held accountable if it does not take certain steps to improve the situation for the Rohingya. I would also try to get our country to go to the UN Security Council to get global arms embargo on Myanmar and to de demand equal legal protections for the Rohingya and the safe return of refugees to Myanmar. Overall, the tensions in the East China Sea, the criminal violence in Mexico, and the Rohingya crisis in Myanmar are all examples of conflicts in the United States is involved in right now. As the Secretary of State and the President's top foreign policy advisor, this is how I would deal with them in the best and most effective way possible. Thank you for listening.